tonight. And uh, I want to read a couple of verses to you and a couple of verses out of some different places tonight. And uh, these are some things that Paul rarely said that he feared anything, but here's one of the times that he said he feared. And so I thought it'd be a... I thought it'd be something here that we could get something from and and ask God to establish our hearts. One of the things that Paul always talks about is the fact that is that the Christians need to be established. The people that he's writing to need to be established. And so these things, I think, will, will help us towards that end, being established. Let me go ahead and uh, pray before I read tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, dear God, like my brother just said, dear God, for the good spirit here tonight. I thank you for these that have come out, a good crowd on Wednesday night. I pray, dear God, that you'd meet among us now, dear God. You said where two or three were gathered in your name. Not just gathered, but gathered in your name. There you'd be in the midst. And Lord, may we lift up your name tonight, dear God. Oh, may you be exalted. May the truth be magnified in our hearts, dear God. And I pray you'd help us tonight. Help me to preach. Help these to hear. And I'll thank you, dear God, for what you do. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now also, before I forget it, tomorrow is going to be the first day of the broadcast for the church. It's a radio station in North Carolina that's going to be broadcasting it. But it's also going to be on the on the internet. And I, I'm not exactly positive, but I think uh, if you put in, if you've got a, you know, uh, a uh, computer, if you put in WYZD, dot com at nine thirty. I'm sure you'll be able to listen to it, and they've got several little things there you can click on if you want to listen to it. You might have, have get enough hearing me three times a week. I don't know, but anyway, uh, there it'll be. You can listen to it through several different uh, little programs there that Apple and iPod and uh, Microsoft, whatever, whatever they are. You can you can listen to it, real player, whatever you might have on your computer. But anyway. Oh, there's a little plug for that. So, Brother Mike, you still going to go through with the radio program? Absolutely. I don't see no reason for quitting or backing down or slowing down. I think go on with what the Lord... Uh, matter of fact, sometimes when you get trouble going on in the church, it's to keep you from doing what you're doing. And I'm not going to... I'm not going to quit doing what I'm doing unless the Lord tells me to do it. Then you've got to quit. No doubt about that. But let's look in 2 Corinthians. I told you 2 Corinthians chapter 12... And uh, let me uh, let me see a good place to start here. Verse number 18, it says, I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Again, thank ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For I fear, here's the word that I was telling you about. Paul fears uh, some things in the Bible, and this is one of them. He says, For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. Lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. And lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already, and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Right there in verse number 21, Paul says, God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already. Paul's saying, when I get there, I ought to look at your life, I ought to look at the fruit that's coming from your Christianity, and I ought to say, thank God. 
Paul said, I ought to come down there and I ought to have joy. I ought to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he said, but I'm afraid when I get down there, I'm going to see some things that I don't want to see. And it's going to humble me. I'm going to break down. I'm going to have to weep and shed many tears over you. And he said, that's not the way I want to do it. You don't want me to come that way. And I don't want to come that way, he says. So he says, I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would. Now, no no preacher, I was talking to Brother Nathan about some of these things today. No preacher wants to come to the pulpit every week and just lambast and thunder against sin. Nobody wants to do that. I'll just be honest with you. I think I've got more experience than anybody here lately in that in that regard. Nobody likes to do it. I don't like to do it. And uh, and I was telling uh, Nathan a few things today about that. But it's a it's a grievousness to do that. And uh, nobody nobody in the right mind anyway likes to. Who likes to fuss? Now, because you're Baptist, don't raise your hand. But but who likes the fuss? Anybody like the fuss? Anybody like the way that you feel after a good fuss? I mean, a good argument. Get in there in the house and start wearing one another out with the tongue. Well, you don't do this. Well, you should have done that. Well, you don't do this either. Anybody feel good after that? Not me. Not me. No, sir. I don't feel good about that. And the same thing goes... For a preacher, he don't like to come. And so I told Nathan, I said, I got to the point at one time when the Lord started giving me my sermons, I'd write it down. I Again? 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 And listen, some people, some people uh, they don't understand what a preacher goes through. Uh, you look out in the congregation and listen, I can see it. Uh, I know there for a while I was preaching on uh, Christian rock music. And I told Ruth to put out there on the board, the only Christian rock there is is Jesus. That's the only one I know of. The Bible says that rock was Christ. Okay, well that's true. And and so I don't like to preach on that stuff. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that could be preached on besides that. Uh, but there was, a, there was a certain person and uh, they sat in here and every time I'd say something about it. And it got to the point where I almost feel ashamed to say it. And normally what would happen is I'd be just in the course of preaching and the Lord would say, bring this up. Lord, that's not in my outline. <laughs> uh, Lord, i got it all figured out right here. Thank you very much. But the Lord said, do it. And then it got to the point where they wasn't sitting there like this no more. They were sitting there like... Boy, that's that's living awfully close to death right there. And that kind of thing is the kind of thing that will infect the whole body of a church and begin to eat it up and begin to eat it up and begin to eat it up. And when Brother Mike does something about it and pulls the cord on it and sends that trash down the street, Brother Mike's the bad guy. (laughs) Oh, how dare you treat somebody like that? How dare you? Well, I dare because I don't want the whole church to fall apart. I don't want the whole church. And when I say trash, I'm not talking about the church. I'm not talking about the person. I'm talking about that Christian rock jump. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the bad attitude and the bad feel. There's not one person that's in this church or has ever been in this church that I would disassociate with because of the way they live. If we had a smelly old sock drunk that come in sit on the back row, y'all might not like it sitting close to the back. I mean, but if there was a smelly old sock drunk that come in every week and sat down on the back row, as long as he didn't disturb nobody or make uh, the church have a bad name in town, I would preach to him as long as he would come and listen. 
And I'd go back there and I would grab his hand and shake his hand just as heartily as I shook the best man in the church. Because the people, the people are worth preaching to. But the sin is not worth putting up with and getting defiled by. You understand the difference in that? And so the preaching is not so I could run somebody off. The preaching is so we could get people cleaned up. And when, we, when you come and preach that way, service after service after service, why well, it gets mighty heavy. It gets mighty heavy. And before long, things will have to change or things will break. That's the way it goes. And Paul says, For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would. Look at this fear. I want to show you something. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Look what Paul's going through here. And I'm going to change this from Paul to the Lord Jesus Christ here in just a second. But I want to show you what Paul's going through here. And maybe tonight will be a little bit like a Sunday school lesson, but that's alright. Oh, we need a Sunday school lesson every once in a while. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 10. It says, Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And, uh, excuse me, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So Paul is saying, he's like he's saying, I'm exhorting you and I'm comforting you and I'm charging you like a father does his children. And so when, when Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says, I fear lest I come, lest when I come I shall find you such as I... Uh, I shall not find you such as I would. That fear that is God is like a father has for a child. Now suppose you fathers or even you mothers, you can understand this just as well. Suppose you raise a child 12 years, 13 years, 14 years, 15 years, 16 years. And all this time if you're the mama you ought to be or if you're the daddy you ought to be, you've been been instilling good things in that child. Now when that child begins to take the reins, somewhere around 16 or 17, you start dishing them a little more rope and a little more rope and a little... Suppose that child goes out and he ain't doing like you taught him to do. That's cause for fear. That's cause for fear. My children are not even at that age. And when I look at them, I look at them sometimes and I say, man, the possibilities. Not what they're doing or what they're not doing, just the possibilities. What they might get out and do. And then I get down on my knees and I say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Right now would be a good time. Just come right now. Just come right now. I know you might want to reward them for things they might do later on down the road, but just give them that reward anyway and come get us right now. Spare us the possibilities. Well, that's the fear that he has here. He says, for I fear lest when I come I shall find you such as I would. I should not find you such as I would. And that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. Lest there be debates, envies, wrath, strife, backbitings, whispering, swelling, tumults. Tumults. And so whenever I read a verse like this, Paul is saying personally in this letter, he says, I fear, lest when I come. Now y'all think Paul the Apostle is ever going to come through the back door of the church? If he does, I'm going out that door. If Paul comes through that door, I'm going out that door. Y'all can have the service. One of you just take over if y'all want to hang out with him a while. But anyway, Paul ain't never going to come through the back door of the church. But I know one that's coming. And that one that's coming owns this word. He inspired the word. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so anytime I hear Paul making a direct reference to the people, I just take it as if it's the word of Christ. And I think that I have... Uh, the right to do that. Turn, hold your place. Turn and look in Romans chapter 
number 15. Romans chapter number 15. Romans chapter 15 and verse 8. Romans chapter 15 verse 8 says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. That's not you. The circumcision is the Jew. He says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. And now look at verse 16 about Paul. He said that I should be the minister of Paul the Apostle. That I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. So when Paul makes a direct reference, when I come, when I do this and when I do that, he's speaking instead of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we beseech you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And so whenever I look at something like this, Paul's never going to come to me and find me in any condition. But Jesus Christ looks at me and sees me every day and finds me exactly as I am. You know, we come to church every day and we put on our best church face and our best church clothes and we bring our best church Bible, but God sees what's on the inside. He sees the help that we need. And let me say this to you while I got your attention, at least for a little while. Uh, This is the place to get help. This is the place to get help. If, uh, If you can get help at home and you can read your Bible at home and you can have devotions at home, uh, but if, uh, if God chose this place for us to come and meet together, this is where we better be. This is where we better be at. And I thank God for the church. I thank God for a place to come to meet together in unity. A place where we can all come together and feel comfortable in one place. You know, uh, sometimes when we go to other people's house, we might be perfectly comfortable. But the person whose house it is may not feel perfectly comfortable. Well, they're going to break my grandmother's best. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. But they don't think we're not as you know, wealthy as we might ought to be. And we worry about things and stuff. We don't have to worry about things here. We just come in one heart, one accord. And this is the place to get help. This is the place to get help. Remember that. Remember that. Now let me get in. i got just two or three things to give you tonight. These are things that Paul, he don't want you to have. These things mentioned in the verse. He could have said, I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you as I would. And he could have went on to say, I want you in unity, and I want you witnessing, I want you reading God's Word, and I want you praying. He could have said all those things, but he didn't. He chose to give you the negative side. Don't ever get too fond of the positive. I'm not too fond of the negative, but I want to balance on things. When uh, If you get all positive all the time, positive, 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 And then one time the negative comes out, boy, you'll clear a room that way. You certainly will. I mean, (laughs) nobody likes negative-minded nothing this day and time. It's all got to be positive. But you go out in the parking lot after you leave and slip the negative cable off your battery and see how close to home you get. (laughs) You're not going nowhere. You're not going to go anywhere. You say the same thing's true for the positive. I understand that. I understand that very well. But which side are we pulling for? The positive side most of the time is what we want. And I have to stand with you and be numbered with the transgressors. I like the positive as well. I like the positive as well. Sure, everybody does. But Paul said, look here, these things I fear. And when he gets down here, he tells us what there are. Lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strife. Now, of course, I'm not going to preach on all these, but I picked out three of them. And I want to talk to you just about them for just a few minutes. Look what he says. Lest there be debates. If he put it first, I think it probably important. Debates. Listen, the time for debating in the church is over with. Right. 
The church has been rolling now. That ship, you remember we talked about Sunday morning. God put His disciples into a ship. And that ship I took to be the church. And that church has been sailing now for 2,000 years. Don't you think we should have got some things settled by this point? Like which Bible is the right Bible? I mean like uh, the doctrine of salvation. Don't you think that ought to be... Pretty much nailed shut by now, don't you think? I mean, don't don't wait until you're 90 years old to find out who your mom and daddy is. I mean, the church is almost gone. The church is almost over with. The Lord will be back just any minute now. I believe it's closed. And listen, it may be. I'm not going to, you know, be no. I'm not going to go camping on this issue, but. Uh, uh, I'm not going to make no judgment calls about when it's going to be. It could be 30 years from now. But boy, 30 years compared to 2,000, we pretty close. You say, you think it'll go further than that? Boy, I can't hardly believe it would. I can't hardly believe it would go. I mean, there's only so much time allotted for the whole history of man. The Bible only gives man 7,000 years. That's all. Boy, we close right there. And don't be fooled by the History Channel. We ain't been around 10 billion years. Any any backwoods bumpkin from Folkston, Georgia, or Cana, Virginia can figure out we ain't been evolving for ten thousand years. Amen. If we've been in, in, uh, ten million years, if we've been evolving for ten million years, don't you think we'd be to the point now where we wouldn't breaking through each other's back doors, stealing chicken and silver and right. ten mil, ten million years of evolution can't keep us out of jail? Right. That's preposterous. That's foolish. That's foolishness. We've been, we've been living as Christians now long enough to where we ought to not be, have to stand up and debate. Somebody asked me, would I come and debate somebody over something foolish? No, I will not come and debate nobody over something. I won't, I won't even debate somebody over something profound. I'm not debating about it. Listen, at this point in time, all we're dealing with right now is believers and unbelievers. If somebody wants to speak in tongues, let them speak in tongues. If somebody wants to read an NIV, let them read an NIV. If somebody wants to believe in Calvinism, let them believe in Calvinism. Just let them do what they want to do. Just let everybody do what they want to do. And leave me alone, by the way. (laughs) I preached preached a sermon up there at camp to a bunch of young people about not spending all their time in the world on Facebook. And the people that come and argue with me about it after service was grown adults. I'm not going to stand around and debate a grown stinking man about whether or not he ought to be spending all this time. If you want to do it, just go on ahead and do it. I could care less. I know one thing, it helped me to get off of it. It was a blessing to get off of it. Freed up a lot of time to get off of it. And it caused a whole lot less problems. You know what You know what happens on Facebook? Debates. I think red is the best color. Well, I think green. I think Ford is the best truck. No, Chevrolet, man, Chevrolet. Bass is the best eating on earth. Well... Some guy said, I just took my Mercury boat out across the lake today. And some guy comes on just to, just to debate. Well, you should have had a Johnson. Right. Right. Am I telling the truth? Is that what Facebook is or ain't? You ain't never going to please everybody on there. You're going to fight. Debates. 
Who's got time for that mess? Who's got time for that mess? You would think everybody would be settled, but listen, if we're going to be settled on something, we might as well be settled that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, we went out today and we knocked on some doors. You know what we found? We found people confused. We found people looking. You go to church anywhere? I'm looking. Knocked on one lady's door, asked her if she was saved. I got saved when I was little, I think. I think I'm saved. You say, what is that? That's people that's got questions that need to be answered. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. See, there's plenty out there for a Christian to do. There's plenty out there for a Christian to do. Plenty for us to do if we would do it. But see, we get caught up in debates, man, we'll tear a church apart and church fault. Listen, this church right here has fell apart so many times you don't know. You don't know how many times it's fell apart. Miss Faye been here since the day it opened. She probably couldn't tell you how many times this place has swelled up and fell apart and swelled up and fell apart and swelled up and fell apart. You say what caused it? Debates? Well, I don't think the preacher ought to do it this way. I think he ought to do it that way. I don't think he should have preached that message. I don't think he should have said that. I don't think Sister So-and-So should have wore that dress. I, I don't think... I don't think... Who cares what you think? Get in the book and find out what God thinks. And I don't, I don't say stuff like that to be funny or, or anything. Listen, who cares what we think about our personal preferences? I was talking to a man again this week and I said, all we're doing here is griping about convictions. You say you ought not do this and I say you ought not do that and now we're butting heads about it and we're being foolish about a bunch of junk, bunch of junk. But if God, now listen, if God tells me to preach on something, I'm going to preach on it because you might need it. But listen, you look across the aisle at one another, you're going to find something you don't like. Ain't no use in debating about it because you're not going to change one another's mind about it anyway. But i tell you one thing we don't have to debate about. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, our sorry carcasses wouldn't be sitting in here tonight on a Wednesday night. Is that right or is that wrong? That certainly is right. Boy, that'll get you that'll get you into the old time religion right there. That'll get your heart stirred. And then after you've prayed somebody a good while and they finally do go down the altar and start getting right over them things you've been praying for them over, because you can see it, can't you? Don't you see what one another needs? Well, here is the way to make sure they never get the help that you think they need. Say something about it. That's one surefire way to make sure it never gets taken care of. Now you get down on your knees and begin to pray about it. I saw a little boy up there at camp last week. And uh, he got saved on Wednesday night. And the next day I saw him and he come in there with his hat turned around sideways and had the brim of it all flattened out. I don't know what that means, but it sure does look stupid. And he had an ear ring in both ears. And uh, one of them fellows said, well, you need to just be, you need to just be uh, merciful. And pretty soon the Holy Spirit... We'll deal with him about taking them out. I kind of stepped back and I said, hmm, I don't think so. I said, when I get up to preach, I'm going to wear that junk out. And when I got up, I preached on earrings and Facebook and turning your hat around sideways. And if you're going to wear a hat, put a little bend in it so you look like somebody. Not look like you're wearing a manhole cover around on your head. You say, what was the re- you say, what was the result of it, Brother Mike? Look at that. Yes, sir. 
Now you go around and pat them on the back and they'll wear it for six more years and everybody will think a good Christian boy wears earrings. A good Christian boy don't wear earrings. You say, what about it? There ain't no debate about it. No debate about it. Amen. No debates. No debate. When you come to the pulpit, listen, when you come to the pulpit, you say what thus saith the Lord. When you come to the pew, you pray. And ask God to help one another. And bear one another's burden. Debates don't solve nothing. Debates don't solve nothing. They certainly don't. I've seen plenty of debates and good debates. And the side I thought should win come out on top. But you know what it settled? Nothing. I've seen debates on Calvinism. Is there still such a thing as Calvinism? Sure. I've seen debates on Catholicism. Do they still believe in Catholicism? I've seen debates on evolution. Do they still believe in evolution? Then what did the debate solve? The Bible said God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Just stick to the preaching. Just stick to the preaching. May not win them all, but we'll get some. We'll get some. Debates. Debates. Not good. Not among yourselves. Not in public. Whatever the case may be. Let's see what he says next. Envyings. Oh, that's a terrible one because I'm, I'm often guilty of that. Ain't you? Ain't you? How about y'all? Envy? Y'all know anything about envy? Man, I sure do. And I, you know, the Bible talks about envy and, you know, your neighbor's stuff and stuff like that. But sometimes I do a heap of envy and when I go down to Walmart and ain't got the money to buy it. And I said, man, look at that. Look at that. I caught myself, I caught myself the other day looking at this big old big screen TV. And I ain't even got nothing to watch it on. I don't have a TV network hooked up to the house no more. I done throwed away every movie I could find. Man, I just got a few little things left. And I'm th- sitting here thinking about spending $1,500 on a 100-inch thing to put in there to watch preaching tapes on. <laughs> you say, what is that? That's envy. Right. Oh, I wish I had that. Right. Well, Walmart has it and I want it. Yeah. Envyings. You know what envying has to do with? Envying is a matter of satisfaction. It's being satisfied. If you're satisfied with your house, your neighbor's house won't bother you a bit. It just won't do it. If if you're satisfied with the car God gave you, your neighbor's car ain't going to bother you not one bit. Now, God ain't going to be merciful to us and put forward... Chrysler and, uh, you know, Dodge and Chevrolet out of business. I mean, because every time I ride by the Ford place, I see, my goodness. <laughs> Those are awesome. F-350, a short bed, my goodness. That's a truck. And I especially like them with Caterpillar engines in them. Yeah, that's nice. A Lincoln Town Car is the finest thing a man ever made. It's almost as good as, it's almost as good as air conditioning. I bought that car out there. I couldn't afford. I couldn't afford a Lincoln Town car, so I bought that old thing there. I like it. I like it. You know why? You know why I bought it though. I rode by the car lot one day. I towed a car into the car dealership, and I seen a whole row of Lincoln Town cars and uh, Mercury Grand Marquis sitting there. And I, 
I just just one of them caught my eyes. I went by, and I walked back out there while they was you know taking care of the paperwork on the car. I had a helper there, and I just stand there looking at it. And that's a mistake. That's a mistake. This guy come out there said, "Can I show you one of these cars?" And I was caught. That was the end of the. Yes, sir. He he could have just handed me the paper right there, and I would have signed it. Cause I was I just stood there long enough. He said, "Could I offer you one of these Lincolns? They got good good deals on these Lincolns. 2008 was just about over with. Got a bunch of good deals." And I looked over there at it, and I walked over there, and I looked at the price tag. And, <laughs> but I, I loaded, I unloaded the old car and loaded up the new car on the back of the tow truck and took it back to, took it back home, much to my wife's dismay. But it was her car then. <laughs> it was her car then, of course. It's mine now. But you say, what did you get it? I, I envied it. Really, I did. There's honesty for you. How about that? Y'all been envying And me too. Man, I wish I had that. Wish I had that. I had a GMC Yukon sitting in my backyard. I drove my work truck home every day. Uh, that truck didn't move. I didn't need a car. My wife had her own van. I just stood, sat there and looked at that thing and said, hmm. And you know what? You know what the funny thing is? I wish I had that Yukon back. <laughs> Envying will make you do things before you think it all the way through. That's just the way it is. Envy, being dissatisfied with something and wanting something better, is often a bad idea. Let me say this. Next time you go to buy something, I'm not talking about a candy bar or a bottle of pop or something. I'm talking about a house or something like it. Wait a couple of days. Just wait a couple of days. You might can afford it. Just wait. Just wait. You know what I do when I go to the store now? I pick up a pair of blue jeans or a pair of boots. Something. I'll walk around the store about 15 minutes. You say, Why? You looking, window shopping? No. I'm waiting to see if the urge passes. I'll walk around with a pair of boots or a pair of pants or something, and then I'll say, ah. And I'll leave. I'll put it down and leave. You say, why? Because when I picked it up, I just didn't need it. I just said, oh, I'll take that. But I learned not to leave too fast. And usually I think, what's my wife going to say about this great expenditure here? She'll like me better if I don't spend all that money. I guess. Envy. Envy. Boy, we could preach on that a long time, couldn't we? I'm going to get off of it anyway. How about this? It says, Lest there be debates, envyings, and wraths. I guess I chose the three, the three top dogs, huh? Wraths. Let me say a little about this. You know what wrath is? It's the opposite of forgiveness. Wrath simply is the opposite of forgiveness. Uh, when the when your youngin breaks your best or uh, whatever you got in the house, and you pick up the belt, that's wrath. <laughs> Saying, "Ah, oh, it's okay, you little prick." <laughs> that's forgiveness, I think. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty close, anyway. But, but listen, wrath, you don't have to you don't have to take out wrath on everything. Wrath wrath 
The Bible says the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I don't never discipline my kids till I cool off. That's just a good idea. When, when I was a boy, I told y'all about my many exploits with the crabapple tree switches. I got all of mine, I got all of mine in the heat of anger. <laughs> that, that was wrath. And you know what the Bible says about what fathers and mothers should do? It says, provoke not your children to... You discipline them out of love, you know what you get back? Love. A 50-50 chance, wasn't it? <laughs> you discipline them out of wrath, guess what you get back? Wrath. I'm sick and tired of you youngins not doing what I say. One of these days you're going to have a kid saying, I'm sick and tired of you telling me what to do. How many of you have seen that? Heard of it? Know about it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's so easy to do it out of wrath, though. That's when the, the heat of the moment is on. Slow down a little bit. Listen, discipline out of righteousness because it's right. Calm down a minute. If you'll think about it, there ain't never nothing happened probably in your family between you and your children that was worth getting that angry. Something got broke maybe that you cherished? Sure, that's worth getting angry about. But the Bible says, Be ye angry and sin not. I'm not telling you not to, not to discipline your children. I'm not doing that. I'm saying cool off first. Do it out of righteousness and because it's going to teach them a lesson. And you can deal that way with your brother, with your sister. You can deal with your Christian brother and sisters in the same way. Don't fly off the handle and get mad because it causes bitterness. It causes bitterness. And let me tell you this. Life is not fair, number one. God will recompense, number two. That's Hebrews chapter 10. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And listen, the only person, the only person, listen, if, you, if you're full of bitterness, listen, the only person you're getting even with is yourself. Listen, you didn't treat me right. You didn't do the right thing. Of course, you know now, Use him as an example here. He ain't done nothing wrong. <laughs> That's clear before him. Oh, you didn't do me right. I'm mad at you. I'm upset with you. My anger at him ain't changing his ways, ain't changing his thoughts, <coughs> changing his actions. I just want you to know I've been bitter at you for the last ten years. Well, I've been happy as a dead pig in the sun for the last 10 years. <laughs> Just because you're mad at somebody, that don't mean they're sitting at home going, Oh, Brother Richard's mad at me. That's right. Your being bitter don't change nothing. If you want to get even with them, go punch out their tires or something. <laughs> <laughs> but don't stay bitter. Don't stay bitter. I'd rather you go punch out their tires and let the air out of their tires than to sit around bitter for 10 years. Jail sentence won't be that long for punching out tires. A couple of days, you'll be in jail. A couple of days, a couple of nights. Ain't that something preacher telling people? But it's better consequences, ain't it? You don't have to get even, though. I was just kidding about that. But I hope it drove the point home. I hope it drove the point home. 
Didn't it? Yeah. Being bitter ain't going to change nothing. The fact that you're mad at your mother or your sister or your brother does not change the thing that they committed against you, which was probably silly in the first place. It don't change how it don't change their sleep at night. They're not laying up all night worried about what you think or what you feel. You're going to get to the point in your Christian life where you realize that the only thing that matters is you and God and your close relationship and staying close to Him. I'll give you one example and I'll close. King David's running from his son, Solomon, set himself up as king over Israel. And as he's run as he's as he's run as David is running away, he's going up a hill, and a young man that was related to Saul named Shimei, it's a weird name, but that was his name nonetheless. He come out and started throwing rocks at David. Get out of here, you dead dog. Get out of here, get out of here. You deserve what you're getting. You deserve what you're getting. One of David's men said, I'll go over there and take his head up off his shoulders if you want me to. David said, nope. Nope. He said, I deserve this. I deserve it. Maybe God's cursing me. And we better leave it alone. David comes back in. Long story short, Absalom's killed. David comes back in as king. That man Shimei comes and gets down at his feet and said, you know what kind of man I am. Forgive me. David said, okay, I forgive you. I forgive you. Go to your house, I forgive you. You say, what did David do about it for the rest of his life? He didn't sit around worried about what Shimei said. But when it comes, listen, when it comes to his son and protecting his throne and protecting his son, that old boy Shimei got his in the end. Solomon killed him. But David didn't touch him. You say, why? Cause. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The Lord is hardly ever, listen, 99.9% of the time, the Lord is not going to let you get even for yourself. For yourself. The Lord may let you take up for somebody else. He may let you take up for a brother or a sister or a preacher or an evangelist or a missionary. But God is going to be the one to take care of you if He has to kill you to do it. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your grace and mercy in our lives, God. We we thank You, dear God. Lord, I think it would be wise, dear God, if we just prayed and asked You to help us, Lord, be satisfied. Lord, to, to help us to walk each day in service towards You and not in service towards ourselves. God, help us to be satisfied with the things that You give us. Thank you, dear God, for the service, for the good spirit that we have here tonight. I pray, dear God, you'd help us to continue in this spirit and walk in unity. And I thank you, dear God, for what you do in that regard. And Lord, I want to take this opportunity. God, it's a hot night. It's a, uh, the air condition not working. I just take this opportunity to ask you, dear God, uh, to give us what we need, dear God. We, I can't remember a time we've ever been smart enough just to get down on our knees and say, God, give us a bigger air conditioner. Lord, we'll just do that tonight and tell you, uh, beg of you, dear God, to give us what we need, dear God, to cool this building. Help us is my prayer. God, bless the visitation that's been done and will be done for the rest of the week. Help us, dear God, on Sunday. Oh, Lord, to, to follow your will and to follow your way. And may you be glorified in all of our services. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for coming tonight. You are dismissed.